Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the MMA Strategy Shows. We're here to get you ready for UFC Vegas. Number 6-3 goes down on Saturday afternoon inside the UFC Apex there in Las Vegas. Headlined by a featherweight match between Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. We're going to break down this entire fight card for you over here the next hour. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about some of those props over Prize Picks here later on in the show. Of course, I appreciate everyone tuning in here for the Strategy Show. Be sure to smash that like button thumbs up subscribe notify you know all of that of course if you ever miss our content pretty much all of our content is available on the podcast channel so you can check out over there on the stochastic podcast network of course as always i am joined by the fighter pete rogers jr good afternoon pete how you doing man good afternoon buddy what's going on this is quite the difference in card um but it's a card so uh we're here um a few interesting matchups but uh Quite, quite the the 180. You know what I mean? Like this card is, man, it's it's kind of ugly. It's a sign that we're back to a fight night card. I mean, yeah. that's, that's that's really what the sign is here. I mean, you know, we come off, of course, last week uh, of UFC 280, and like last week, I think is one of these perfect kind of weeks to talk about where you sit there and say, is there's things we know and things we don't know. If you knew what was going on, TJ's yeah. Dillashaw's camp, it would have been, hey, if this guy can't lift his arm. We would have been locking in Aljo in every single lineup. And, and that's the thing that can make this sport difficult is you just don't know what the true health is of a fighter going into a fight. Yeah, there's so many X factors. So, you know, you don't know prior injuries, injuries throughout camp, um, their headspace. You don't know a lot of things. Personal matters, you know, and it comes down to one performance on Saturday. And, um, you know, obviously, if we knew ahead of time, I think the pricing structure and the odds would have been inflated drastically in Aljo's favor, of course. Um, but, yeah, he, he looked pretty dominant. And I watched that fight with a smile on my face. You know, I'm not a big TJ guy, so I was really happy to see Aljo show out. Yeah, I mean, a great performance by him. And Islam went out there and showed he is the real deal. That's kind of a big question mark, what he did that there. But, of course, we're here to break down UFC Vegas 6-3. Let's get right into the main event, Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. Calvin Cater, the slight betting underdog here uh, in this one, plus 100 on the betting side, minus 120 for Arnold Allen. And, of course, over on DraftKings, by the way, as we do this show, the salaries are not out on Fandle. We got this is the A200, 8,000 fight. Allen, 8,200, Calvin Cater, 8,000. Pete, like, I look at this matchup and I say, man, this is just be hard to avoid. I expect this thing to go 25 minutes. And looking at the tail of the tape on this one, the one set that did stick out to me 
with strikes land per minute. And I think it does tell a, a different side of the story on each one of these fighters where you have one fighter who I classify as a volume fighter, and that being Calvin Cater, lands over five strikes per minute. On the other side, Arnold Allen, I don't label as a volume fighter. I, he's He lands 3.31 strikes land per minute. Um, so this is one where I love the volume of Calvin Cater. I, and I'll be honest, I was surprised to see Calvin Cater as the underdog in this one. Ooh, really? Okay. Well, I will tell you something, and I don't think a lot of people understand because they don't compete, but the volume's not going to um, just completely translate into a fight like this. And that's why styles make fights. And the reason is, is because of Arnold Allen being a Southpaw. So whenever you have opposite stance, you do have, you know, a limitation with the volume that you can throw. Um, you are a little bit more hesitant because the rear power of, of your opponent and you is the more significant strike to throw. Um, the lead hand is somewhat negated at times. We did see Dan Hooker land some jabs, which was good. And, you know, a lot of Calvin Cater's volume is dependent on the jab. And he has phenomenal boxing. So in a traditional matchup, he's usually going to have the volume and the boxing advantage in that matchup. But I will tell you, because of the opposite stance, I think that his volume is going to take a hit a little bit. He's going to be a little bit more calculated um, because of the, the straight left-hand counters and just the angle and the stylistic matchup differences between the two. So um, I think it's a close fight. Like I, I really do think it's a close fight. It's aligned correctly. Um, I do actually like Arnold Allen slightly more than Calvin Cater, just because of the footwork and the leg kicks. I don't necessarily know if this fight scores the best because I think, I think they're both going to, you know, take their time. They have 25 minutes to work with, so they're both going to take their time. If a finish occurred, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like Arnold Allen looked really good against Dan Hooker. But that cardio is questionable as well, too, because, you know, Calvin Cater's been tested in five rounds. So I, I just don't see a, a finish happening here. I think it's going to be a very, very close decision. I'm going to get to either side, but I am going to be leaning in Arnold Allen's favor. Over on Price Picks, there is one prop in this fight I absolutely love. What is it? The over 0.5 takedowns landed for Arnold Allen. You tell me he only got to get one takedown in 25 minutes. I think he gets at least one takedown. It's it's probably my favorite play on prize picks this week. Yeah, so uh, Dan Hooker, he didn't have to because that fight was ended so early and two and a half minutes. Um, he attempted five against Sadiq Youssef, landed two. Attempted one against Nick Lentz, didn't land any. Attempted two against Gilbert Melendez, landed one. Um, and then you have to go back to Mac Warner Maricani where he attempted six and landed three. And then Yeltsin Meza attempted four, landed four. So it, it's definitely there. 25 minutes is a long time to not go to the takedown well. So uh, I don't hate it. If you think a finish happens, then perhaps you do not go um, and, and target that line. But I, I don't think a finish happens. So I'm not against that line at all. It's just if it was one or one and a half, I would probably say no, because I don't see two happening. But because it's 0.5, I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite player prize picks. I'll give you four other plays here later on in the show. Let's move over to the co-main event. You got Max Griffin taking on Tim Means. 8,800 for Max Griffin, 7,400 for Tim Means. Tim Means coming off a second round uh, loss against Kevin Holland back in June. That did snap a three-fight losing streak. Also, Max Griffin, he's entering off a loss, a split decision loss to Neil Magny back in March. Also snapped a three-fight losing streak 
what kind of just scares. I like Max Griffin in the spot, Pete. I just don't love that price tag because at 8,800 in a three-round fight, I feel like you got to get a finish, and I just don't know if that happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do like Max Griffin in the fight. Um, you know, the younger guy has looked pretty good. Um, overall, they're both kind of mediocre within the UFC, six and seven for Max Griffin in the UFC, 14 and 10 for Tim Means. So you have uh, 14, 10, and one. You have two veterans, if you will, within the welterweight division. And on any given night, I can see Tim Means pulling off a striking performance en route to a volume win. I just don't know. Like, I didn't really like the, his previous performance against Kevin Holland. I do hold Kevin Holland in, in pretty high regard. I, I think that he's a very good striker with sneaky offensive submissions, terribly, terrible defensively, and especially in the wrestling department. But, um, you know, styles make fights. Max Griffin hits really hard. We have seen him pick up some knockout wins. Uh, Ramiz Brahimai, that was disgusting, where he, he elbowed his ear off. And then the beautiful right hand against Song Kanan. I thought that he'd show out a little bit more against Carlos Condit. I really did. So, like, in a three-round bout against Carlos Condit, an aging guy who will stand and trade with you, I thought that, you know, Max Griffin was going to get a, get a finish in that fight. Attempted one takedown, landed it. Um, but, like, on the feet, threw 171 significant strikes, landed 93 and scored 84 points. I can see something similar here happening if he does not hurt and get rid of Tim Means. So uh, Tim Means is going to be one of the most intriguing underdogs on the slate. However, I still think Max Griffin does enough. It's just not the best DFS win. So I'm picking Max Griffin to win the matchup. You have a thought of Max Griffin potentially going the takedown route in this one? I wish he would. So, like, I also thought he would against Carlos Condit. You know what I mean? Like, only attempted one, um, landed it in the past uh, against Zalim Imadayev. He attempted 11 and landed six, uh, went four or five against Alex Morono, two of three against Cowboy Oliveira. So like this, the wrestling skills are there and we have seen Tim Means look um, not the best when it's, when he's on his back, but guess what? Tim Means also is initiating the wrestling. So I, I will tell you that perhaps Tim Means, attempting five takedowns and four takedowns prior in his past two bouts, you know, like we drill so much wrestling that we counter wrestling with wrestling. So instead of breaking off and striking and trying to finish the fight, I can see where Tim means initiates the wrestling Max Griffin reverses position and then attempts his own takedown. You know what I mean? Like, so um, Tim means could actually push and enforce the hand in the wrestling situation. So uh, sneaky upside on both from the takedown perspective, I just, I think it might nullify and be a stinker of a fight. Next up, we've got a heavyweight matchup. We got one fighter who is making his UFC debut. Another one who's lost four in a row and five of his last six. We got Waldo Cortez Acosta, 9,000 over on DraftKings, taking on Jared Vandera at 7,200. And literally one of the notes I've written down on this fight is how do you trust Jared? Awful fight IQ. Perfect example of this is the Alexio Linux fight. Why are you engaged in grappling with Alexio Linux? I'll never understand that. Uh, you know, and, and you've always talked about this of fighters coming off the contender series. It's always kind of this, okay, how much stock do you want to put in them? But like yeah. I just look at this fight of like to me, it's either take the favor here at Cortez Acosta or pass on the fight. I think if you know something about Jared Vandera and you're gonna back him. Um, you're blindly backing him because it's heavyweight MMA and it's super volatile. 
or you know you're or you're a part of his camp and he's been working wrestling the entire time. Yeah. Because if you're looking at stats on it on a sheet of paper or you're looking at it for what it is, he's one in five in the UFC. Um, and then he has attempted zero takedowns in the UFC. It's it's super weird, especially because um, you know, on the contender series, we have seen that when he gets in top position, even in some of his fights, when he's able to reverse position and get into the ground and pound um advantages, like He's, he's able to put together some good ground and pound. Apparently, he's a strong grappler. I have not seen anything of it on film. Um, just a, a big guy in top half guard or mount or even in your guard is just tough to deal with. So, uh, you know, we, we could have Acosta slip on the mat, and now you have Jared Vandera in prime position for ground and pound and stalling and winning and banking rounds. But I'm tired of losing money on Jared Vandera in an underdog spot in any spot. Um, I'm going to be back in Waldo Cortez Acosta, and I don't think that he's all that talented either. So um, naturally, the heavyweight and light heavyweight underdogs are going to get a little bit more ownership, um, similar to how women's MMA underdogs are going to get more ownership for me. So I, I will be getting some Jared Vandera, but I'm not going over. I'm not going crazy. Like I, I'll look at what the, the field's doing and I'll probably match it, probably even be a little bit underneath. Um, but yeah, when, when, you have a clear path to victory against Chase Sherman, a path to victory against Alexi Olenek, and you just avoid it. It's it's a little troublesome for me. So uh, I'm going to go with Waldo uh, Cortez Acosta. He has pretty good hands. I think the hand speed, the combinations are going to pose him problems. But um, that that chin might be gone of Jaron Vandera, and we could be looking at a 9,000 option, getting a nice first-round win. It's one of those things with Jerry Vandera. I'm actually surprised he's got another opportunity in the UFC after yeah. dropping four in a row. And I'm glad you brought that Chase Sherman fight because that's a, a perfect fight to bring up to say like, hey, if you were going to show a, a, a good fight IQ, it wasn't to sit there and have a kickboxing matchup with Chase Sherman because that's Chase Sherman's game. And so <laughs> it's, it's just one of these things of if you want to take some some flyers on Jerry Vandera, I get it. It's heavyweight MMA, but like limit your exposure because he's just a guy you can't trust. Yeah. And Marcos, what's up, Marcos brings up a great point. He says, whenever you're tired of losing money on a fighter, the day you give up is the day they come through. And that's a great point because like at the end of the day, it's an MMA fight. There is room for development. There is um, room for, you know, making alterations to your coaching staff, to your training methods, to your diet. There's so many things going on behind the scenes that we don't know. So it's not as point blank and not as straightforward as what their past is going to predict the present. But for the most part, everything I've seen on film does not inspire confidence of picking Jared Bandera. If anything, it's an ownership play. If anything, it's a volatility play for the division. No question about it. Now, if you want to make a bet on the fight show, check out our friends over at BetMGM, and they have a no-brainer for you right now as BetMGM is giving you a chance at $200 for free. All you got to do is click the link in the video description below. Any team tonight hits a three-pointer, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. Take advantage of these offers when they come up. It's the best way to beat the books. This offer is available in all states except New York, Pennsylvania, Mississippi and Ontario. Now, this must be a pregame money line bet. So be sure to check out our friends over there at BetMGM and click that link in the video description below. Next up, we got a matchup between Josh Frim 
and Treshawn Gore, 8,700 for Josh Trim, 7,500 for Treshawn Gore. Uh, you know, when I think of what we've seen from Treshawn Gore since coming in off the ultimate fire, he's lost both of those fights and a guy that, um, you know, primarily he's going to be up on the feet. Kind of, I, I have a lot of questions about the gas tank here, but also what really leans me into the Josh Frim side of this fight, Pete, is Treshawn Gore has come off a first round loss against Cody Brunich. Who's Cody Brunich trained with? Josh Frim. Yeah, that's it's it's great. It's great to fight against somebody who has some insight in the matchup. Uh, you know, the the Treshawn Gore experiment is pretty um it's pretty disappointing to be honest. Like from what he looked like on the Ultimate Fighter to how he performed in his debut against Brian Battle, who's a tough out, and then following that up against Cody Brundage. If if Brundage was gonna beat Treshawn Gore, I did not see a knockout. I saw um, you know, taking him to take down city and, you know, make taxing that gas tank and winning a 15 minute affair. Or if a, if a knockout occurred, I figured it, it would probably be from ground and pound, but most likely I thought Treshawn Gore was going to hit Brunage with some big shots. And I might be off the Treshawn Gore hype train. I, I have to tell you, um, he looks really green in MMA. Uh, he's very hesitant when you combine being green and in MMA and with, you know, relatively no experience, and now you don't pull the trigger, it's hard for me to back you, especially when I look at Josh Fremd, who has fought some legitimate competition. This is not an easy fight for Treshawn Gore, and uh, I don't really hold too much stock in Josh Fremd's debut against Anthony Hernandez, who has looked like he's an, on an absolute tear. Like, Anthony Hernandez is taking everybody to take down City. His pace is through the roof. He's breaking people. Um, you know, and Fremd was able to survive that got taken down several times, uh, but landed his own takedown, was able to reverse position and striking, you know, submission wise. I think that he's just a threat within this matchup to finish the fight. Whereas Treshawn Gore, if I'm picking Treshawn Gore, I'm going to be talking to the TV saying, throw your hands, throw your hands. And uh, I'd rather just get behind a guy in Josh Fremd priced in the mid eights, 8,700 sounds perfectly, you know, perfectly fair i think that it's uh appropriate that the salary is fine and the upside is great in this matchup because uh you don't know how treshawn gore is going to respond off of that first round knockout to cody brundage um that happened back in july so uh you know that's i used to have a rule jason and the rule was if fighters are fighting after a knockout loss within like six months or or even a year i don't i don't back them and i'm not going to back them here so Give me Josh Fremd here at eighty seven hundred. No, look if you're if you're looking for a fighter seventy six hundred below that have a GPP upside, I understand why you would get the trade Sean Gore because of the power that he does have here. Uh, on the other side, like I would rather take a Josh Fremd at eighty seven hundred than a Max Griffin at eighty eight hundred just because of the potential GPP upside in, in trying to get a hundred plus points in a fight. Yep. I mean, it, and look, it all comes down to a. A roster a roster construction uh, situation there. Move over. Next up, we've got Dustin Jacoby taking on Kalu Roundtree Jr. Jacoby eighty three hundred. Roundtree Jr. seventy nine hundred. And uh, this should be a fun fight, Pete. I mean, both these guys, we know what they want to do. They want to sit there and they want to have a kickboxing matchup. Kalu Roundtree, I never know which Kalu is going to show up. Yeah, is it Kalu that? showed up to fight Eric Inner showing up, or we're going to see some of the bad versions we see of Khalil Roundtree. Jacoby, I mean, look, guy's been on a great run. He, he's unbeaten. 
his last nine MMA fights. He hasn't lost a fight uh, since 2016. That was in kickboxing against Simon Marcus. If people don't know, uh, Simon Marcus in kickboxing, he's a no bad problem. Boy. Yeah, uh, he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. <laughs> you know, um, you know. So this is one of those ones where uh, Jacoby, he's kind of like in terms of it's like either a finish quick or it's a decision. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I hate to be like this this week, but I don't like a lot of the underdogs. If any, like, um, I, I think if you're looking at the card and you're in, you know, on stochastic that fantasy cruncher, and you're looking at all our tools using the top fighter tool and all that, you see Dustin Jacoby sitting there six, two and one in the UFC, Khalil Roundtree, six, five and one. Um, this is a tailor made matchup for Dustin Jacoby to, to really showcase his striking because a guy's willing to stand on his feet with him. Powerful guy, but a lot of people within this division are powerful. So it's nothing new to, that you have to be careful of getting knocked out. Uh, Roundtree is going to be one of my most exposed underdogs, even though I think Justin Jacoby's the better minute winner um, throughout the fight. I think he's going to have the, the, the more steady volume. I think that he could, and he has potential to pick Khalil Roundtree apart and they look leagues apart in this matchup because Roundtree in this matchup has that power, that death touch. And we have seen uh, Dustin Jacoby get hit at times. But like outside the the two knockdowns against Max and Grishin, he's it's kind of been like one way traffic, man. His volume, his skills, everything. He's looked fantastic. So, uh, but when light heavyweights are throwing down, it just takes one shot. So Roundtree to me is in that untrustworthy category. But I'm still getting exposure. Like Jared Vandera and Treshawn Gore are like at the bottom of my untrustworthy list for this entire slate. <laughs> uh, Khalil Roundtree's a, a lot higher than that because I actually think that his skills are there. It's just a matter of which Khalil shows up. Um, the fact that Marcin Prakdina was able to kind of um, dominate him on the feet for 15 minutes shows me that stylistically, this is a, uh, a, a nice matchup for Dustin Jacoby if he's able to endure the big shot. So uh, give me Dustin Jacoby. But Roundtree is going to be very, very popular. I don't imagine he comes in with a ton of chalk. Let me ask you if you th- are surprised by the stat. Strikes land per minute. Dust Jacoby, 5.27. Not, not surprising. Clue Roundtree Jr., 3.34. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Like I, I would have I thought that number would be higher than it is for Cleo. Yeah, so like Dustin Jacoby's on the outside hitting you with wiffle ball bats, 5.27 strikes landed per minute. And Khalil Roundtree's hitting you 3.34 with a sledgehammer. So uh, it all comes down to how many, how many times you can get hit with that sledgehammer and be able to, to not go down. So uh, outside of the Maxim Grishin fight, I, I think Dustin Jacoby's durability has been solid. Um, you know, I can't wait to watch it from a striking perspective. And opposite stance should make it interesting, but Dustin Jacoby's actually comfortable in southpaw as well. He, he will switch. Let's move over. Next up, we got Phil Hawes taking on Roman Delidze. Delidze, 7,800. Hawes, 8,400. I just talked about difference in strikes land per minute. This one's also got a big gap between these two guys. Phil Hawes, 5.68 strikes land per minute. Roman Delidze, 2.46. course, uh, Phil Hawes looked great last time we, we saw him there. And that's a uh, second round TKO win there against Duran Wynn back in June. Uh, Delidze also coming off a great performance, a first round knockout. 
against Kyle Dawkins. And uh, this is Phil Hawes. You know, there was a time that I think the MMA industry was pretty down on Phil Hawes. You know, he he came into MMA as this highly touted prospect. Then things just don't go well from the Contender Series. Goes over to, uh, I forget whether it was, it was WSL at the time, maybe PFL. Doesn't really do great there. But, you know, this is also one of those things of, like, we, we've talked about various fighters of, you know, they, they go through some adversity, young young yep. in their career, Pete. And then, you know, they, they, they kind of make some changes, and, and part of those changes for Phil Halls was coming down to South Florida. And, man, he has looked great since uh, making that transition. Yeah, I mean, Sanford or Kilcliffe, they, they're phenomenal. I, I just really like them for some of these welterweights, middleweights, you know, just they, even lightweights. They're just stacked in almost all the divisions. So uh, Phil Halls looked phenomenal against Deron Wynn and uh, – Threw 175 significant strikes, landed 118. He has takedowns in his back pocket. His versatility on the feet is second to none. He's able to mix things up, and he looks like a high-level kickboxer. He really does. Um, but he's he's the one with the the JUCO uh, collegiate wrestling background. So, like, he is a phenomenal fighter. But if you could make his gas tank a little bit better, he'd be priced in the 9,000s almost all the time. Um, he's susceptible to getting hit with a big shot and his cardio comes into question. So, uh, you know, middleweights, man, Roman Delidze pinned, um, he, he pinned, uh, Dawkins against the cage and threw a beautiful knee. And that, that win kind of like irritates me because I actually think that Kyle Dawkins was going to win that fight. It didn't happen, obviously. And you can say that with so many different fights, but like, I really thought Dawkins was going to give Roman Delidze problems because of, you know, on the feet, longer guy. Um, in the grappling exchanges can survive, has the, has the jiu-jitsu skills to survive. And then something stupid like that knee in the clenched lands. It was a nice strike. It really was. It's just like, I don't really hold a lot of stock in that win. Um, it was a minute into the fight. The same thing could happen here against Phil Hawes because of the questionable chin. They're both four and one in the UFC, but the actual skills that I see on paper and everything on fight film, Phil Hawes is going to be the guy I'm picking. Um, has to survive. Got to be careful of him getting, you know, too tired and fatigued and like giving up his neck because Roman Delize is a fantastic submission artist. Um, but he's kind of in that Jared Vandera category where, you know, like you don't use your best skills against uh, Loriana Staropoli. He went five of nine in the takedown department. Those takedowns are going to come very, very hard by like, like he's not going to be able to, to take down Phil Hawes as much as he can on some other fighters. If anything, he's going to want to just, we're on them in the cage. Uh, we're on them in the clinch against the cage, and then possibly threaten with a with a choke. But uh, yeah, I got it. I got to pick Phil Hawes here, eighty four hundred. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of course, uh, this is the MMA strategy show. We're getting ready for UFC Vegas number 63. And we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Click the link in the video description below to get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. And up to a $100 deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with prize picks and uh pete you know i was checking out prize picks talk about that uh that takedown number i like on arn allen 0.5 i really like the over you just gotta get one takedown likely has 25 minutes to go with uh there are some other ones that have stuck out to me fight time 
Phil Hall's 11 and a half. Give me the under. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, the under with Phil Hawes fights usually works. Um, you think he finishes Roman Delidze? Yeah, I, th- I think this fight's over within two rounds. Either Delidze catches him early or Hawes finishes him in round two. Okay, okay, that's fair. I can see it. Dustin Jacoby, significant strikes, 49 and a half. This is a scary number for me, Pete. Why? I like because that. I like the over here. My, my just concerns is is a first slash early second round finish and he doesn't get to hit that over. But I think generally I like the over spot here. Yeah, I, I like the over as well. I mean, outside the Daun Jung crazy KO that just happened, the Justin Ledette one, he's been a decision guy. And Khalil's talented enough to not get knocked out so quickly. Um, so I definitely like the over, even if it's just leg kicks. You know what I mean? Like, that's a low number. That's yeah. a low, low number. He needs to avoid the craziness of Khalil Roundtree, and he smashes that number all day long. I got another significant strike that stuck out to me. This is also another overplay for me. Max Griffin is 63 and a half. That one's interesting because of the... If he doesn't go the takedown route and it just becomes a 15-minute striking affair, I think he can hit that number. He has hit it a lot throughout his career. We just need, for that one to hit, we need Tim Means to actually stand and strike, which is something he's kind of adjusted his style from like he's been the one initiating the grappling which could like i like i mentioned prior could result in a wrestling counter from max griffin so uh stand and trade boys stand and trade and we smash that the last one i'll throw out there i'll go to the takedown category josh frim one and a half takedowns yeah i think that's gonna happen yeah that's why it's an overplay for me yeah i like that he went one-on-one against Anthony Hernandez, who has better wrestling than Trayshawn Gore. And yep. for him to spend the most of his time getting dominated. So I, I like that. My, my general thought is, is that Frim lands a, an early takedown, Gore gets up, and then at some point he gets taken down again. I, I just, and that's, and with some of these numbers, I just kind of feel like you want to get them now. Like, I don't know how long that Arnold Allen takedown prop is going to be sitting there because if it gets to one. I'm not doing it. That's tough. Yeah, two. I don't. I don't think two happens. Calvin Cater's got a good ground game. He really does. He he doesn't show it. Um, he showed his his wrestling and his jujitsu a little bit against Giga Chikadze, but like I can tell you firsthand, he's got a good ground game. Yeah, I mean, so be sure to check out our friends over there at Prize Picks. Of course, click that link in the video description below. As you can, how you can get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum up to $100 deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with Prize Picks. Let's move over to our next matchup, Pete, and that'll be a heavyweight matchup. Marcos Rosario de Lima, 8,900, take on Andre Arlovsky at 7,300. I feel like, you know, because... Andre finds himself in so many close decisions. We keep forgetting this guy just keeps winning fights. He's yeah. won four in a row, six of his last seven. His last 10 wins have all come via decision. His last stoppage win, June 23rd, 2015, against Travis Brown. By the way, that fight is the last time Andre Arlovsky scored a knockdown in a fight. Yeah, this this fight is hideous. Uh, we got Rogerio Lima eight and six in the UFC. Andre Arlovsky, 23, 14, and one. Holy moly. So, like, he's he's been around for a very, very long time. And I, I think that Andre Arlovsky turning a significant corner within his career when a lot of people, including myself, thought that chin was completely gone. This is a compelling matchup. And 
it's aligned as if Andre Arlovsky was getting knocked out back in 2019, um, actually 2016, when he was suffering a knockout to Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem, Stipe Miocic, like strong company. So like, I think the line is because of how Rogerio de Lima looked against Ben Rothwell and not really about Andre Arlovsky in 2020, uh, 2022, where he's winning close decisions and isn't enduring shots, right? Like he's been pretty durable. So uh, outside the, the Tom Aspinall submission, the last time he was knocked out was back in 2019. And that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights ago. Goodness gracious. I threw this stat to Pete before the show. Since 2016, here's the only fighters who have knocked down Andre Arlovsky. Rosenstruck, Tuavasa, Nganu, Overeem, Miocic. The top of the top of this division. Yeah, I mean, like, murderers row right there. Like, nothing you could do about that. Yeah, you got knocked down in those situations. So, And that's where, like, hindsight's 2020 because at the moment you're panicking about, like, oh, my God, he's getting knocked out by everybody. But now when the heavyweight division kind of kind of like, – uh, finally transpires you're saying well those losses aren't that bad you know what i mean like it's not that bad um i will say that on a week where i don't like a lot of the underdogs it's kind of hard not to like andre arlovsky here because of the gap in salary if it was closely lined like 83 78 or something like that i would agree with it 89 to 73 just doesn't make a ton of sense to me when a guy has way more experience way better cardio um outside of getting hit and finished He's going to be the better minute winner here. So, uh, yeah, give me Andre Orlovsky at 7,300. I don't like it because it's the heavyweight division. And Jose de Lima really blew my mind when he knocked out Ben Rothwell. I was like, what the heck? And he looked like a monster, scored 120 fantasy points. So uh, these guys are also former training partners or current training partners. Kind of weird dynamic that always goes on an American top team with some of these fighters fighting each other. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Andre Orlovsky. Give me the salary discount. And Marcos in the chat mentions about Rogier de Lima via split decision plus nine hundred. Yeah, worth a I sprinkle. Saw, I saw Arlovsky via decision. I want to say it was like plus three thirty. Is the number I saw mm-hmm. a little earlier today? But this is one of those ones like, like look, I don't mind getting Arlovsky in cash games. Just kind of a a, a low salary. 60, 70 points in a win. Like I'm not expecting some huge number from me. Like look. If you're going to go Rogier your limit, the mindset is he is going to knock out Andre Orlovsky in the first round. If that's not your mindset, you think this is going 15 minutes, this is just one of those fights that I really don't want to get to in GPPs. Yeah, I, I want to see what the exposure comes out. I want to see what the ownership's like because then I'm going to, you know, tinker with my exposure. And, uh, you know, I think that as far as round one odds, Rogier de Lima has some of the best odds on the entire slate because that's his best path to victory. He's not yeah. going to be a better minute winner and fight and beat Andre Orlovsky over 15 minutes. He needs to, he needs to go in there like he used to do in the past and get super aggressive in round one and try to catch Andre early before he gets into rhythm. Because even the old Andre Orlovsky, once he gets into a rhythm and he's moving around good footwork and uh, decent volume for the division, he's a tough out. And that's when he starts to separate himself from his opponents. So uh, I'm going to obviously get to Hogeria de Lima because of the round one upside, but, for the fight in its totality, I'm going to be picking Andre Orlovsky. Next up, we got John Young Park, 9,300 ticket on Joseph Holmes, 6,900. And Pete, let me just say this the size matter. 
And what I mean by that is we got a seven inch reach advantage for Joseph Holmes. <laughs> First off, don't be asking me that question. Sec- second of uh, all, look, I just, I just brought that up because I wanted to get, I wanted to get the facial reaction. <laughs> second of all, uh, for, for fighting as far as height and reach is concerned, um, it does make a significant difference, but skill does come into play in some, in some parts mm-hmm. of that as well. And, uh, Joseph Holmes to me is not like a fantastic fighter. When you go from Alan Amadovsky to now Jung Young Park, that is literally going from, you know, it's a significant leap, like a significant leap. And I know that Jung Young Park, you know, lost to Gregory Rodriguez in a fight that he was winning and then ended up turning the tide and he, he ended up getting knocked out in the second round. Um, out struck Eric Anders despite the takedowns and en route to a split decision victory. I just don't see Joseph Holmes being on this level. I, I have to tell you, like Joseph Holmes, I'm going to pick him in certain matchups, like how I did against Amadovsky. Um, the Jamie Pickett one, if you're not beating Jamie Pickett, which Jamie Pickett's actually pretty talented, but he's on the lower end of the division, I think Jungian Park is better than Jamie Pickett. Um, that's a different conversation, but give me Jungian Park. I, I don't, I don't like, I do not like Joseph Holmes here at all, uh, despite working with our guy Kraus, it's a very tough matchup. I mean, straight shots needs to be the uh, priority for Joseph Holmes to utilize that reach advantage, um, straight kicks, knees up the middle, and try, try to knock out Jung Park. Perhaps that that chin is uh, susceptible like, like it was in that matchup against Gregory Rodriguez. I'm just going to pick the better fighter, man. Jung Park is clearly the better fighter in this situation. At the price tag, though, at 9300 all of his wins in the UFC have come by decision. Do you want to get there, though? I might because of the takedowns. Um, I I saw, you know, we, we saw Joseph Holmes get taken down twice um, against uh, Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett went two of four in the takedown department, had three minutes of control time. I really think that Jung Young Park has some sneaky, sneaky takedown potential on a slate like this. He, I think that he can really take him to takedown city if he wants to against Mark Andre Barrio. He went five of 10, four of four against John Phillips, which I mean, that's a hundred percent, but like, you know, the reason that number's not higher is John Phillips is terrible at getting back to his feet. So um, two of five against Tafana Chukwe. I think there's just points galore in this matchup for Jung Young Park. Yeah. He's been the distance, but in the distance, I think he's going to be able to rack up points in route to a late stoppage or just a complete dominant um, like an Anthony Hernandez where it's just, you know, ragdolling them. So uh, give me a Park, 9,300. I don't care about the price tag at all on an u- ugly, ugly week like this. Next up, you got Chase Hooper taking on Steve Garcia. Chase Hooper, 9,200. 7,000 for Steve Garcia. Of course, uh, Chase coming off that third-round TKO win. And on the other side, Garcia coming off a first-round TKO loss here. And who would have thought to Chase Hooper, a three-to-one betting favorite? Uh, but the one thing is, as much as kind of people you know rail on this kid, we do see improvements every fight from him. Yeah, I mean, we have we have seen development. Um, you know, he's young. He has a very good base for jujitsu. I think I still don't think that the the camp is the correct camp for him. Um, working with Stephen Thompson, I think where he could shine is actually getting to a strong wrestling gym. Um, you know, like, a like imagine him going to like team alpha male, even though team alpha males kind of the reputation has been down as you know, in the past, it used to be pretty high, but like a, a strong takedown gym, um, with good hands, 
that's what he needs. Like he, he needs to really, really refine his takedowns and he's still finding success with them. And he, he attempts them at a high rate Went all of six against Peter Barrett, three of eight against Steven Peterson actually landed three more than I was, I was expecting because Steven Peterson's pretty talented from a, you know, a takedown perspective, especially defensively. And, uh, Felipe Kolaris, he went four of seven. And Kolaris, I thought, was going to be the tough out for, for Chase Hooper, where you have a guy with a jiu-jitsu background, um, strong boxing, and Chase Hooper walked him down, attempted so many takedowns through 93 significant strikes en route to a third-round finish. He broke the slate, scored 142 fantasy points. So I actually think that he can do the same thing this week where he can break the slate. And uh, Steve Garcia, a guy who's always live in a striking exchange and always live in a striking matchup to clip and hurt his opponents. And he's got that dog in him where he's going to fight for your dollar. The issue is, is his takedown deficiencies and his grappling deficiencies don't allow him to. He's so wild that it opens up the door for, for Chase Hooper to really just like, you know, change levels or body lock him. And the Luis Pena fight really speaks to me because he was backpacked. He took that fight on like super short notice anyways but he was backpacked for like a ridiculous amount of time and his back was taken and like he didn't get submitted, but Luis Pena literally had so much control time. It was insane. And um, let's see how much control time he had. He had 14 minutes of a 15 minute fight of control time. That is absolutely absurd. So um, I think that if Chase Hooper backpacks you at all, and he's a great back taker, he's submitting you or he's ground and pounding you. So, uh, it's crazy. 9,200 for Chase Hooper, but I completely agree with it in styles make fights. And I think that, you know, he's going to uh, smash the slate once again. I was glad you brought up the, the takedown deficiencies of Steve Garcia. Cause one of the things of uh, in analyzing this fight, my kind of thought was that the wildness of Garcia on the feet was going to potentially lead to Chase being able to take takedowns. And going back to what you said about if Chase got around better wrestlers, two names that came to my mind, both in South Florida, Steve Mako, an American top team, and Greg Jones at Kilcliff FC. Yeah, like, I mean, it, that's like what he needs. Like, so he was doing the, all those little things with Ben Askren and all that. I thought that that was the connection that was going to really help him. Like, Ben Askren, like, he is what he is, but a lot of people still don't give him his credit in, in Bellator in one. Like, he was so dominant when he incorporated his wrestling. Like, a guy like that could get him to have ridiculous takedowns and it will complement his jujitsu, which will also open up his striking. It just, it's a win-win and it never really materialized. At least it doesn't seem like it did. He needs to like getting to Steven Thompson, trying to emulate a karate style is something you're not going to, you're not going to pick up in, in a couple of years. It's like, oh. it, they'll help you. It'll, it'll help. But like going out there, throwing sidekicks, like, I don't know, man, I'm not, I'm not with that for him. <laughs> It's like you talked about that from experience. Yeah. I mean, like I have a lot of people that try to come and try to emulate my style with, with the striking. It's like, we will tweak you and fix you and get you to incorporate some things. But like, I've been sidekicking people for my whole life. So like same with Steven Thompson, there's no way Chase Hooper should like, you can utilize certain things like that, but that is not going to, to really help you climb the ladder as much as something like wrestling. Tyler, you do not want to see a Pete sidekick coming at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at that, Tyler. Tyler mocking the karate. All right, but yeah, yeah. That sidekick will come, and you won't even know it hit you before he gets there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell him. Let him know, Jay. Let him know. 
We we all know, you know. I I try like look, you know, if I if I walk into Rogers mixed martial arts, I go look. I'm not trying to have a karate match with Pete. That's right. I, I'll tell you I, what though. I, I'll I'll be double legging the crap out of him. I'll tell you what though. All we do is wrestle and grapple now too. Every night we're sparring or grappling, wrestling. We got heavyweights in there, and uh, you know my boy Brendan Ward. We got my fighter Wolfgang. We got so many fighters. Everybody's like a hundred, two hundred and five pounds and up. So like, it's really helped me out from the strength perspective. Like uh, every single day we have big bodies and usually big bodies are rare. Like Connecticut's like a heavyweight and light heavyweight hotspot for, for us right now. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing. And, and for anyone who's new to MMA or on DraftKings, you're looking for wrestlers. Yeah. That is where you're going to be able to score with, you know, takedowns, control time, you know, total strikes land. That's where you can really maximize your force if you are new uh, to, to mixed martial arts. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I really love targeting wrestlers and grapplers on DFS slates. Like, that's what we should do. You want first round finishers. Or wrestlers, and if I pose a uh, if I pose a question to you, Jason, what do you feel safer with? Do you feel safer with a first round knockout artist, or do you feel safer with a wrestler? For me, my answer is a wrestler, especially for DFS. It would it would be it would be a wrestler just because of the fantasy score upside. Yeah, I mean, it's, I love I like the scoring too. Like I, I don't hate it. I mean, especially if the fighter attempting trying to defend those takedowns has the ability to get up mm -hmm. and that, that, you know, like, like, like our next fight, Cody Durden, we all know what Cody Durden is. Cody Durden is a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Now he's taking on someone stepping up here on extremely short notice in Carlos Moda, the LFA flyweight champion, 8,500 comes actually a favorite where Cody Durden, you just know that's what he's going to do. He is going to chain wrestle his ass off. Yeah. And because of the, the short notice nature, I can't cross off Cody Durden. Um, I, I just, because there's so many X factors that we don't know about, right? Like we don't know like what Moda has been doing. I mean, you know that he's talented enough to win a belt. We know he's talented enough to beat Cody Durden with a full camp. There's just question marks. And, um, you know, not everybody's jumping on opportunities last second are going to be successful. So uh, that that's why Cody Durden for me, despite having a limited ceiling within this division, is going to be uh, the tentative lean until I see the weigh-ins. Um, if it was a full camp, I think that Carlos Moda wins this fight. He has the better striking. Um, he has sneaky jujitsu, which I think is a complete Achilles heel for Cody Durden, as evidenced in the Jimmy Flick and the Muhammad Makaya fight. When you get hurt and then you start getting choked, it's kind of hard not to get on a, get out of positions like that. Um, so like, if Moda looks really good at the weigh-ins, I'm picking Moda because I think that he has the skills and the upside to beat Cody Durden, but that does not mean I'm getting away from Cody Durden. If that makes sense, like there's just, he could still look good on the scale and still have terrible cardio just because he hasn't been in the gym or um, whereas Durden has been completely in the gym uh, getting prepared for this card. So uh, 125 pound fighters, usually high pace, not really the best idea to come in here on short notice if you haven't been training. So uh, can't wait to see the fight though. But uh I'm excited to see Moda with a full camp. Yeah, I, I don't mind getting to Cody Durden in because of that wrestling ability and his price point here. But um, you know, look, I've just I've never been big on Cody Durden. 
you know, I think he is what he is. We have seen some improvements since he went down to uh, ATT down there in Coconut Creek, but uh, I, I do like Moda in the matchup. Then our opening matchup, we don't have a salary on this one. This fight came together pretty quickly here. Christian Rodriguez and Joshua Wims. Uh, Rodriguez was supposed to take on Garrett Armfield. However, Armfield had to pull out of the fight due to a staff infection. And it's a UFC debut for Joseph Weems, who has sat there and... Just got a text message coming up. It's game day, so it's it's a little different. Uh, Joshua Weems, he's a guy that um, he just loves combat sports. I've had a chance to interview him in the past. He's fought bare knuckle MMA. He's fought boxing, kickboxing, everything that comes in there. So he's one guy to uh, you know check out here. But uh, Christian Rodriguez, uh, you know, he come off a lost UFC debut against Jonathan Pierce via decision. But uh, it's a guy that I know some people are high on. Yeah, do do we have salaries on on this fight yet? No, I don't think we so. What do you expect the salary of Christian Rodriguez to be? If you had to guess without even looking at the odds in the nine thousands. Yeah. 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 Okay. I really like Christian Rodriguez. I truthfully do. And the reason I like Christian Rodriguez, um, you know, is, is because of how good he looked in his debut against Jonathan Pierce, who I actually think is a pretty talented fighter for the division. Yeah. Jonathan Pierce landed six takedowns. He went six of 10, but guess what? We had Christian Rodriguez attempting three submissions at least in that bout, nearly finishing Jonathan Pierce. The guillotines, like the the submissions were so close to kind of like putting a nail in the coffin for Jonathan Pierce. I was so surprised because of how much of an underdog Christian Rodriguez was and how much better he looked than I ever remembered. And I circled his name and I put a note down and I said, when this kid fights somebody else, I don't care who it is. Obviously, if it's somebody ranked, I'm not going to, but like, if it's somebody outside the rankings, I'm picking Christian Rodriguez. He really, really looked good. So uh, I want to see what the salaries are, but I think that, that Christian Rodriguez is going to be 9,400 and yeah, 6,800. Thank you, yeah, James. Just came out. Yeah. 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 James, uh, 9,400. I'm still with it. The issue comes down to the three nice 9,000 options. Who's going to have the best score? naturally the grappler and chase super with the discount 9,200 is going to have more ownership and I'm going to get to him probably the most. Um, then it's a nice little argument between genuine park 93 and Christian Rodriguez 94. Um, I really, really like Christian Rodriguez this week. And uh, from a betting perspective, I'm going to be targeting these finishes for Christian Rodriguez. I think he picks one up. Let's go down our straight up fight picks. Let's see how many underdogs Pete goes with. I've got a couple. I've, I've, I don't uh, really don't have many. And, you know, I just don't. Well, underdog number one for me is Calvin Cater. Okay. And, you know, Calvin's my guy. I just, I, I don't, I think the stylistic, you know, Southpaw, give me Arnold Allen. Uh, I will go Max Griffin over Tim Means. Max Griffin. Oh, by the way, this is a first UFC fight card of 2022 that does not have a female fight. Wow, really? No women's MMA? Yeah. Uh, Cortez wow. Acasa over Vandera. Same. Uh, I'll take Frem over Gore. Fremd. Give me Jacoby. Jacoby. I will go Phil Hawes. Hawes. I'll go underdog number two, Arlovsky. Okay, underdog number one, Arlovsky. Uh, give me Junior Park. Park. Hooper. Hooper. Moda. I'm saying Moda, unless he looks horrible. And then uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. It's a weird week, man. And doesn't mean that some other dogs can't come through. But it's it's small, small fight size. So it's tough for me to get behind some of these underdogs. 
course, uh, we'll be back here on Saturday for Live Before Lock, 3 p.m. Eastern time to answer any questions that you do have on this slate. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the main event. Um, you know, there's some fights that uh, don't necessarily love or trust. I'm not even really looking forward to the main event. I got to tell you, and I am really? a fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fight nerd. Like, I'm I'm not. Like, this matchup just, it's it's there. By the way, Man. did you know there's a Bellator event on Saturday? I didn't realize that. Who's fighting? Do we know? It is uh, Adam Piccolotti's in the main event. Oh, yes, I did know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they, it was literally, I got an email, press release about something for the Bellator event, and I was like, hold on, there's a Bellator event this week? Yeah, sometimes they do a terrible job at letting people know fights are on. Jeez. Yeah, that's always over at prize picks that they have something. I'm always like, oh, I'm making a slight, especially if, uh, you know, those spike force prelims. Yeah. Can just target times. Target those unders and just combine them with some of your most confident UFC plays and some of the, the prize picks ones that Jason was mentioning. The the point five takedowns for Arnold Allen's intriguing. The significant strikes for Dustin Jacoby, I think of all the ones you mentioned, is definitely my favorite. So I'll be targeting the over with that in combination with some of those uh Bellator unders. Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for the strategy show. We'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Appreciate you tuning in, and we will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, guys.